Amen. Amen. Hey, you can take your seats, and while you're doing that, get your Bibles out. Let's open them up to John uh, chapter 20. We're going to be going there in a few moments. Uh, Our theme for this series over this uh, weekend on Friday, and then again today, was around the area of cornerstone, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. I told you on Friday, if you were here, that the reality of a cornerstone back in Bible times and prior to that was the cornerstone was a very important piece of any building. It was maybe the largest stone for sure. The most time was taken putting it in place because all of the measurements, everything you did came off of the cornerstone. And if you get the cornerstone right, you get it all right. Well, Jesus is pictured as the cornerstone throughout scripture. And uh, the reality is mankind has rejected this cornerstone. Scripture is very clear about that as well, but it doesn't change the fact that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, and it is on him as followers of Jesus Christ that we build everything. Our alignment is not to man's ideas or man's thoughts. Our alignment is to Jesus Christ and through the Word of God to all that God has for us, and what a great hope that is for us as we move forward. Well, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And uh, we serve a risen Savior, and he is our hope. And so we want to dive into God's word for a few minutes this morning. Um, In Romans 6 and verse 9, it says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. So the main thought I have for this message today is this. The resurrection of Christ is our only hope. Uh, On Friday, the, the death of Christ was the only way But today, the resurrection of Christ is our only hope. I just read this this morning. Uh, Someone said, his death was proof that he was human. His resurrection was proof that he was God. His death was proof that he was human. But his resurrection was the proof that he is God. So let's look at three things. Same outline as on Good Friday, just around the resurrection this time. His resurrection, let's understand it. And so as we set the scene for Easter Sunday, this resurrection day, all four of the Gospels talk about um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in different ways, from different perspectives, and uh, lots of people, lots of time putting that all together. Um, Christ rises from the dead early on Sunday morning. An early quake and an angel rolling away the stone and sitting on it. And that takes us to John chapter 20. So if you've got your Bibles there, let's follow along as I read. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone was taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, um, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and I, we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which, he had, which had been on Jesus' head, and not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed as for yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb 
And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at his feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will, I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. What an amazing story. What an amazing truth. What an amazing a reality. Two or three things that really jumped out for me as I was reading this over the last uh, few weeks. One of them, just as it was in the first part we read the other day, was to understand the scriptures. Jesus Christ is fulfilling what the scriptures said. He is the fulfillment of God's plan for uh, our reconciliation, our redemption, our salvation. It's all found in Jesus Christ. Another thing that I found in here that I really thought was cool, make a great sermon one day, um, twice Woman, why are you weeping? She has no hope. She's crying. The, the, the body is gone. She doesn't know what to do. She, she has no hope. And then again, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She doesn't understand Jesus Christ has conquered sin. She doesn't understand that his death has led to his resurrection. She is there with no hope. No hope. And then he says to her, Mary, and she sees Jesus. And I love what he says. Um, he says to her, do not cling to me, for I am not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I love this, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. To my Father and your Father. To my God and to your God. Jesus has risen from the dead. Um, you know, after this story, she goes and tells him, Peter, and the one who's unnamed in this story is probably John. When John talks about himself in the book, he never refers to himself by his own name. So, so it's probably John. We don't know for sure, but probably John. John was a better athlete than Peter. Peter was probably a little chubby. I don't know. He just couldn't run as fast as John. John gets to the tomb, and he stops, and he looks in, but Peter's Peter, right? He's just like, get out of the way. I'm going in. And, uh, um, this is the same guy who had denied Christ three times. And he runs to the tomb and he gets in the door. And um, I love what Jesus does with Peter. I, we know that later on he restores Peter to his ministry. But um, one of the things that happens on the day of the resurrection is Jesus appears to Peter. What an amazing act of grace. What an amazing picture of forgiveness the one who denied him, the one who said, I will never deny you. Um, Jesus has a special meeting with Peter. What a great hope for me, a follower of Jesus Christ who often sins and, 
And Jesus is ready to meet with us where we're at. He met with him. He met with the two men on the road to Emmaus. All of that happened on the day of the resurrection. After that, he met with the 11. He met with seven at the Sea of Galilee. He met to the 11 on the mountain in Galilee. At, he met with 500. We're coming back to this stuff in a minute. He, he uh, met with James. Then we have the ascension. And then we have the salvation of Saul of Tarsus and the special appearance in Acts chapter 9 of Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus Christ is alive. Understand it. Understand that Jesus is alive. Here's the second thing, though. His resurrection, accept it. Accept it. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8 says this, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and then to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all of the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Jesus is alive. Accept it. You know, there are theories of what happened. One of the theories was they stole the Bible. Uh, when Mary Magdalene gets to the tomb, she says, they've taken him. They've taken him. Someone has taken him. And so one of the theories that, that uh, is, is perpetuated against Christianity is he didn't really die. The, the, the people who put him in the grave, they stole him, they took him, and they took his body away. It makes absolutely no sense because all they had to do to prove that Jesus never rose from the dead was just present the body, just show the body. Um, the, the, all these guys are walking around going, he is risen, he is risen, he is risen. 500 people are running around, he is risen, he is risen, he is risen. You want to kill that? Present the body. They didn't steal the body. They didn't steal the body. Um, his foes didn't steal the body. His friends didn't steal the body. Um, they would have never risked their lives. They would have never gone through what they did. They have never suffered the things they suffered if the whole thing was bogus, if it was a hoax. It wasn't hoax because it was real. Uh, others would say, Jesus wasn't really dead. He was just unconscious uh, when they laid him in the tomb. Um, the Romans knew how to kill people. They knew how to do crucifixion. They were good at it. But the proof that Jesus Christ was dead was when they took the spear and they stuck it up underneath his rib, probably right through his heart, but just to make sure he's dead. Jesus Christ wasn't just unconscious. The fourth option is that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that's in fact what God did. What are the proofs of the resurrection? One of the proofs is the empty tomb of Jesus. Uh, Sue and I were looking at pictures today for, from a trip we had to Israel in uh, 2013, I think it was. And uh, we went to what they think might have been the tomb of Jesus. And uh, we went inside that tomb. And it was just an amazing time in, in our lives to be able to go and be around and see where probably the cross had been put on the hill. And all of that was just so amazing to us. It was one of those days in my life that I will never, ever forget having communion with a group of people like 100 feet from where Jesus rose from the grave. That was just an awesome time in our lives. Um, the proof of the resurrection, the tomb is empty. Um, the proof of the resurrection was the woman and the other people who saw him 
Um, on that day and shortly afterward, um, the proof of the resurrection, um, Jesus' apostles found new courage. They found courage to stand for him. They found courage to move forward in their walk with him. The proof of the resurrection was the changed life of James, the brother of Jesus, who denied who Jesus was, did not want to follow him. And then he comes to know Jesus Christ. Uh, He's mentioned in 1 Corinthians. We already read that. The proof of the resurrection is the 500 people who, when this, when Corinthians was written, are still walking around. They're still, some had fallen asleep. Some had died. That's what happens, right? Some die. But the rest of them are all there. You can go and talk to them. You can go and hear. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. The proof of the resurrection is the conversion of Paul. Paul the apostle who was a hater of Jesus Christ. Paul the apostle who was complicit in the death of followers of Jesus Christ. This Paul met Jesus Christ and was saved. His life was transformed. He was doing everything he could to stand in the way to kill the church. And God revealed himself. Jesus Christ revealed himself to Paul and he became a follower, ultimately um, giving up his life. And that's another proof of the resurrection. They died for Jesus. You don't die for a lie. You don't lie, die for something that's bogus. At some point, you can go along with a fraud for some point, but when the heat gets too hot, eventually you get out of that and go, yeah, yeah, no, that's not what it was. But these, these men, pretty well all of them, died as followers of Jesus Christ for the sake of their Savior, Jesus Christ. The resurrection Accept it. And then the third thing, the resurrection, don't waste it. Don't waste this resurrection. We talked about that. We talked about the death of Christ. Don't waste the death of Christ. Understand what the death of Christ did. Understand how important the resurrection is. In Matthew 28, 17 to 21, which we call the Great Commission, says that when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus said, to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ, the reality that he was human and yet he was God. This is the foundation of our great commission to go, to go. So what about the resurrection? What does it do for us? Well, the resurrection proves who Jesus is. In Romans 1.4, it says, it was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus' resurrection offers uh, us the gift of forgiveness in uh, Romans 6, verses 10 and 11. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives in God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This gift of forgiveness is available to us if we will receive it. It's the third point. The resurrection offers us the gift of salvation. In Romans 10 and verse 9 it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be 
saved. Uh, Believing God raised him from the dead understands the part about the death, right? You had to have the death to have the resurrection. And when you understand that work of Christ that was done for us so that we could have the wrath of God satisfied, we could be reconciled to a holy God through faith alone in Christ alone. I put my trust in Christ. I understand that work. I understand what he did. And I believe what an awesome reality. I remember I was eight years old when I trusted Christ. Um, that's a gift of salvation. It's a gift that cost Jesus everything. But it's a gift that cost us nothing. Have you trusted Christ? Don't waste Easter weekend. Don't waste the death of Christ. Don't waste the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died so you could have life and you could have it abundantly. Today, if you accept the fact that you're a sinner, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Can't save myself. God did it all. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. He made you alive in Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus' resurrection gives us hope. In Ephesians 1, 18 to 21, it says, um, the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ? What? When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name and that and that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come we have hope because of the finished work of Jesus Christ not hope in this world not hope in what this world accomplished not hope in what we get here but hope in what is coming and hope of the eternal glory of that we have the resurrection means that we can have the power of Christ dwelling in us today Acts 4.33, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimonies to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus And great grace was upon them all. The indwelling spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ is the power that moves us forward. This is where I come back to. If you understand what Jesus has done, if you understand what God has accomplished, it must change you. It must. It's not something that's just on the peripheral of your life. It's not something that, yeah, I go to church on Easter. I go on Christmas. It doesn't mean anything to me on Monday to Saturday. I go to church maybe for an hour or so on Sunday. The reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ changes who we are. As someone said, if the gospel of Jesus Christ has not changed you, it probably has not saved you. It changes us. It changes us. These followers who were timid, who didn't know what to do, who were fearful, when they saw the resurrected Jesus Christ, it changed them. And they were never the same again. Has it changed you? The resurrection of Jesus offers the promise of eternal life. 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. The resurrection of Christ reminds us that he's coming again. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
even so, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. This work of God, understand it. The resurrection, accept it. The resurrection, do not waste it. Well, so what? We live in our world, we live in our lives every day. You know, back in Romans 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? And then over in verses 13 and 14, it says, do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been um, brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness for sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Followers of Christ, do we go on sinning that grace may, be, may abound? God forbid, that's what the text says. God, God forbid. You'd say, perish the thought, or certainly not. As sin does not become the thing that the follower of Jesus Christ finds himself in. We call ourselves to, we're called to repentance and turning, changing our mind, thinking about who Jesus is instead of thinking about what we want. And we come to a place of repentance. Do we go on sinning? No, God forbid. God forbid. I'm not what I'm going to be. I'm not what I should be, but I'm not what I was. How is God changing you? How are you being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? If the death of Jesus showed that he was human, the resurrection of Jesus Christ showed that he was God. He did what he said he would do. Now we live for his glory. Now we live for his fame. Let these words wash over you. 1 Timothy Excuse me, 1 Peter 2, 4 to 6. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The work of the rejected stone, there was no other way. The work of the rejected stone, it is our only hope. Understand it. Accept it. And do not waste it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the reality of the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our hope. We're not perfect people, Lord. We still sin, Lord. You know me. You know how messed up I can be. And your grace pours out. But we don't go on sinning that grace may abound. We live for you. We live for your fame. We live for your glory. I pray, God, you would continue to guide order our steps, direct our paths. If there's somebody here today who does not have that hope, who's never trusted Jesus Christ, this would be the day they would turn in repentance and faith and trust the one who gave his life. Trust the one who proved who he said he was and what he said he would do by his resurrection. Believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. God, do the work that we need in our hearts for your, for your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.